1: This is the Rob Black Podcast. Check out Rob every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and Talk910.com. Let's
2: do some headline news. Today's actually a really big day for the United States. It's a day where we go to the polls across the United States. This could be a tough day for incumbents in what some are calling a mini Super Tuesday. Voters in three states could send a strong message to Washington. Fox News, Doug Lusdar, he reports from Washington. There are Senate primaries in Kentucky, Arkansas, and in Pennsylvania, which also has a special election for a House seat.
3: President Obama is steering clear of all of the races. He was stung last year when he made campaign appearances for three Democrats, all of whom lost. White House spokesman Robert Gibbs says he's not that concerned.
1: How closely has the president been following these campaigns? Not that closely. Not many really believe that, though, and the fear for the White House
2: is that if there are big defeats for Democrats today, it could signal big losses in the November midterms. In Washington, Doug Luzader, Fox News Radio. Intriguing. You're saying, Rob, why do I care about politics if it isn't in my state? Well, because this November, it's going to be a big one. And, you know, does Congress, you know, lose, do Democrats lose control? You know, do we get to the point where Republicans can pick up enough seats where we get into what is considered gridlock, potentially? You know, the health care reform probably wouldn't have happened. It probably wouldn't have been a trillion dollars of future spending if Republicans had been able to get a couple more seats in the last round of elections. Will this ever be undone? No. Because once the government gives us something, very rarely does it undo anything. And that's the problem. We need to start undoing things. We need to elect people who will say, I will scratch stupid laws out. I will scratch their eyes out as if they're trying to steal my husband. We need to elect people that say things like that. Anyway, what we're going to see is um, we're going to get a report today. End of the day, when all these campaigns are done, we're going to see probably what's going to happen in November. Again, you heard in the story that Obama made some endorsements in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Virginia last year where all the Democrats lost. So right now, there's a little bit of a sea change. Now, I like gridlock. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. I like gridlock. A government that does less for me is, is the best. And what's sad and pathetic is I think I've been schooled on that. I, I, I don't want gridlock anymore because I want to now go back and do less. I now want to go back and take away what was promised. So I want a, 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 I want a candidate who's a takeaway candidate. Who's willing to slash things that no one else is willing to slash? You find me that candidate, and they get my vote. Next up, tar balls. Tar balls. Oh, good God. That sounds gross, right? A big old ball of tar? They're washing ashore in the Florida Keys. Fox News Radio's Evan Brown reports from Miami. Miami. Labs are now checking to see if at least 20 tar balls finding their way to the Florida Keys are in fact from the Deepwater Horizon site. If they are, then this could be proof that oil is headed into the Gulf of Mexico's Loop Current, which could eventually take the oil past the Keys and up Florida's Atlantic coast, home to protected species and a multi-million dollar tourism business. In Miami, Evan Brown, Fox News Radio. Wow. For those of you who don't know your geography, Tampa is on the Gulf side of Florida, and Miami's on the Atlantic side. If that this oil spill, I I I'm not underplaying it. I know that you you've never been to the Gulf. I get that. This is an ecological disaster. This is honestly like three or four nuclear bombs dropping in, in American cities. This is h- horrific. This is bad news. If this hits Miami. Holy mackerel, the, the damage done to tourism, the damage done to, to business owners, the damage done to those business owners' families, it, this is this is bad. And again, I, I'm not underestimating, this is bad news. Next up, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. She says an agreement on nuclear sanctions for Iran has been reached.
3: I am pleased to announce to this committee We have reached agreement on a strong draft with the cooperation of both Russia and China. We plan to circulate that draft resolution to the entire Security Council.
2: Now, Clinton at the Senate Foreign Relations hearing of the START Treaty, as it's known, Clinton also says the treaty will help strengthen the U.S. position when dealing with North Korea and Iran. What's interesting to note about this is at one point in time, the U.N., the United Nations, they said, Saddam Hussein... You're not allowed to have nuclear weapons. You're not allowed to be aggressive because you once went into Kuwait and killed people. You were too aggressive. Had those UN sanctions been enforced? The United States probably wouldn't be in Iraq at this point in time. So now we've got sanctions against Iran. How strong do you think the UN's going to be? The UN needs to get some teeth. The UN needs to show some fangs. They need a little pit bull in them. They need some attitude. People need to be afraid of them. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, he says he sinned before God. I love this story. Love this story. He sinned before God. Anytime a man starts with that, you know he did something wrong. His wife, he sinned in front of his wife. He sinned in front of his family. Republican Congressman Mark Souter is resigning in Indiana. Fox News Radio's Jennifer Kuyper explains why.
3: The Indiana congressman says he has sinned by having an affair. Mark Souter says it was with a part-time staffer in his Indiana office and... I'm
1: resigning rather than put my family through a painful, drawn-out process.
3: This comes two weeks after Souter won a tight Republican primary race and less than two months after former Democratic Congressman Eric Massa resigned amid allegations that he sexually harassed male staffers. Jennifer Kuyper, Fox News Radio
2: what is it about congressmen who get this power and and suddenly they've they've accomplished nothing in their lives other than being a lawyer, which is, I guess, an accomplishment itself. And people fall for that power. I mean, doing a little crappy radio show, people fall for me on occasion. So I'll tell you what, if I ever go to Congress, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. I know I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say it going in so that when I do cheat and have crazy, excessive affairs because power corrupts, I won't have to resign because I I won't have sinned in front of God. I already told you the truth. I think Heidi has something she wants to say about this. I'm not quite sure why.
4: Okay, I just want to rant for one second. Please. Something that actually needs to change is that maybe we can get rid of all the men in Congress and maybe have some women in there because, honestly, women don't sexually harass people. That's just not what we do. And so if we can have some women in Congress, maybe they'll just do the right thing.
2: So you don't think you you telling me that I should do the show topless was, was harassment?
4: No, I just needed to see some visually appealing something while we were doing the show.
2: Yeah, it's kind of an emptiness between us at times. It, isn't it? is. Got that fishbowl angle. Yeah. So you really think Congress needs more women?
4: Yeah, I think about every story that's been, you know, in the past five years or 10 or 20 years even. It's always a man sexually harassing a woman. It's not really the other way around.
2: How about hermaphrodites? We don't see a lot of hermaphrodites harassing people.
4: And if we did, we wouldn't even know it, probably. Or how about they wear clothes, too?
2: Or how about we elect a 16-year-old kid whose hormones are going crazy and we know he's going to bang everything he sees?
4: If we know what we're getting into, hey,
2: How by affid- all means. How offended are you that he had sex with a, a co uh, a coworker? It's just
4: getting so old. It's yeah. getting so old. I mean. Cliche, right? Yeah.
2: So, okay, I'm with you. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. I just, for some reason, I like taking glee in other people's misery. That's why I love going to the dentist. When you're in the, the waiting room of the dentist and you hear that drill going. I smile and I love it because it's not me in that chair. So we love glee. We're gleeful about misery. Elsewhere, social networking. It may be a sign of a well-adjusted child. This is strange, right? You think about social networking sites as, like, get out there and and, and see the world and have friends. According to a new study from a University of Virginia psychologist, Amara Yee McKimmy, Fox News Radio's Bill Vitka reports. Kids who spend a lot of time on social media sites are not misfits looking for trouble, but the healthiest psychologically, according to the latest research. In one study, 13- and 14-year-olds were found to interact on sites such as Facebook and MySpace in pretty much the same way they handle their press-the-flesh offline relationships. 86% of children who use social media sites, according to the L.A. Times, were
1: found to be better adjusted in their early teens. And largely they use networking sites to keep in touch with friends, not to chat up strangers. Bill Fitka, Fox News Radio.
2: I got nothing out to to of that. I think that's kind of interesting. You know, I guess the message is that parents may still need to be vigilant and watch their kids, but, you know, there's less to worry about when it comes to your kids on social media. For instance, I've got a niece and she is darling back in Virginia and she just her parents got her a wig and um, you know, my brother got her a wig, and she she puts the wig on, and it's cool. She's very outgoing. Um, she shows people the world, like, hey, look, I'm in a wig. And when that girl goes to college, if she's outgoing, she could become, grow up to become a congressman. I kind of like the way kids are used in social media, so I guess I am ultimately agreeing with this story. Next up, probably the greatest story of the year, a brawny brew for a healthy heart. Fox News Radio's Carly Poulet reports it might just help.
4: Despite its reputation for causing big bellies, dehydration, and bar brawls, it turns out beer really is good for you, in moderation, of course. The tasty brew is chock full of antioxidants and vitamins that can prevent heart disease and even help rebuild muscle. But not all beers are created equal. If you're looking for that antioxidant punch, try dark beer, especially something like Guinness, which has greater health benefits than lighter lagers. House Call for Health, I'm Carly Pouliot, Fox News Radio.
2: I thought it was going to be the greatest story ever. I can't drink Guinness. I'm not man enough to drink Guinness. Ain't that strange? For some reason, it's just too thick for me. I can't get it down. But beer benefits. I love the story. Next up, and we're going to have Heidi chime in on this as the voice of reason, because I know what side I fall on. What side do you fall on? A waitress at a Michigan Hooters restaurant says she thinks she's a victim of weight discrimination after being put on a weight probation. Fox News Radio's Jennifer Kuiper explains.
3: For two years, Cassie Smith has worn the required Hooters uniform, a small white tank top and orange shorts. During her last review, she was told...
4: I had excellence in, you know, dealing with customer complaints and customer satisfaction.
3: So she was shocked when told that at 5'8 and 132 pounds, she had to lose weight. I had
4: 30 days, and they would give me a free gym membership, and if I didn't improve
3: it in those 30 days, I would be separated from the company. At the Roseville, Michigan restaurant, the regional manager would only say... Unfortunately, I have any comment. We can refer you to our corporate office. No response yet from Hooters corporate office, but their website says there is no set requirement to be a Hooters girl. They look for a very bubbly, outgoing personality. Jennifer Kuyper, Fox News Radio. So let's bring
2: Heidi in on this, because I know where I fall in this category. Heidi, what's your thoughts of a Hooters girl being put on probation because she's a little too chunky?
4: Okay, and I obviously, like the people at home, can't see, but I'm 5'6", and I weigh 130 pounds. Yeah. She's 2 inches taller than me.
2: And you're pretty sexy, all things considered.
4: I don't think a good, that I'm body. a chunk I by any means, so it's a bit disturbing.
2: Okay, now, okay, now what if the story had been she's 5'8 and 165 pounds? You- <laughs>
4: this is totally politically incorrect, yeah. but I, you know what you're getting into when you work at Hooters, right. and though there's not parameters specifically set, like they said, you probably can't be a big chubby girl and feel like you're doing your job. Okay. You know,
2: you don't like big, beautiful women, BBWs.
4: It, I don't like women, period, but I just I kind of get, you know, business model wise, it might not be great for business if you have l- Walmart, lar- larger women
2: with a gut right. gut hanging out over t T-shirt it
4: just might not be very cute. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. OK, well, I want you to say it because any way I would have said it makes me sound like a pig. But yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with you. So, yeah, 130 pounds, five foot eight. That's weird. Because that is not, unless there's unless she's like got one pound legs and everything's in her gut, unless there's something really disproportionate about her, I, I don't get that story at all. But, you know, here's where you know your life didn't really end up where you wanted it to. You're a manager at Hooters. If you end up as a manager at Hooters, your childhood dreams basically got stepped on. It's the Rob Black in your money show to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Coming up. I've got stories for you on investments. The seven deadly sins of investing.
1: It's Rob Black and your money on
2: 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Rob Black, what's up with the distortion in all our bumpers? Corey needs to be fired. Assistant Program Director, I love that, Assistant Program Director, i.e., also known as Program director, Director's Butt Licker. Um, did I just say that on air? Internal Editor on. Oh, good God, I'm going to get talked to later today. Okay, I grew up loving Sesame Street. And before I say anything else, let me say the market's, um, it's there. It's I'll get back to it in just a second. I promise yeah. I grew up loving Sesame Street. I loved Ernie and Bert, America's first gay couple, on TV. I loved Ernie. Bert, not so much. Kind of freaked me out, to be quite honest with you. He was just too serious. He was too tight. I was a kid who kind of, like, giggled a lot like Ernie. My favorite Muppet was The Count. For some reason, I always dug when he'd come on and he'd go, Wah, wah, chocolate chip cookie. And they just made me laugh, dude. Two, two chocolate chip cookies. So let's do a, a, a seven deadly sins of investing and let's, let's, let's throw this out as tribute to the count, shall we? Now, for better or for worse, we all make huge, huge mistakes when it comes to money. And when the easiest way to get wealthy is to just use your 401k. And I have to say that at least once a week. Otherwise I'll be in violation of my my own beliefs. Your 401k is a great way to save money because you don't pay any taxes on it. You know, you hear me scream, I hate California's legislature because all they do is tax, tax, tax. I hate San Francisco City because they're trying to fix their potholes with tax, 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 tax. I hate it. I hate the 9.5% sales tax. I hate the 9.5% state income tax. I hate it. Okay, so that's out there, right? So anytime you don't pay tax, it's a glorious thing. So let's do the, 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 and you don't pay any state or federal tax. It grows tax deferred on any gains that you get in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And it comes out of a lower tax bracket later in life. So I love the 401k, but here's the mistakes that we make. First one is, is wrath. And this is deadly sin number one. We all get angry at little things from time to time. So it's natural to get all fired up with yourself when something goes wrong. And, you know, if you let that anger consume you, it clouds your investing judgment. So let's say you joined a company in 2000 and you, you know, you dumped your 401k contributions into Fidelity funds like Fidelity Magellan, Fidelity Diversified, Fidelity Small Cap. At the market's bottom in March 2009, you flew off the handle and you bailed out. You quit. You just couldn't take it anymore. So over that period, you know, you'd seen Magellan plunge 75%. You'd see Diversified International down 9%. You'd seen growth fall 35%. But it's really not that simple because you never really paid any taxes on that money that you put in your 401k. And you're getting all angry at the market only to see the market come roaring back 80%. So if you had started investing in 2000, by March 2000, in 2000, at the top, by 2010, you had gained about 90% over those 10 years if you didn't pay taxes and you continued to regularly invest while the market was down. So don't get angry at the market. That, that type of anger it leads to really bad decisions and you don't really know what the heck you do. Next big sin in investing is greed. Now, with our 401ks, we look at them and we look at our fund choices and we go, "Ooh, that one was up 80% last year." You get greedy. In this era of day trading, and this era of fast-paced Wall Street transactions, it's so easy to make the same mistake um, in your 401k, you know, as you would in a brokerage account. You know, do I want Apple going from six to two sixty? Heck yeah! But it's really not that simple, and it's really not that easy. Mutual funds are not designed for short-term trading. So when you look at your 401k and your mutual funds, you're not looking for, you know, a home run. You're looking for a fund that does good in a good economy and good in a bad economy. So if the market's up 10%, you want to see it up 8, 9, 10, 11%. When the market's down to 10%, you want to see it down 7, 8, 9%. You don't want to see it down 20%. You just want market performance. You want whatever it's trying to do to be, you know, kind of the market. You don't want home runs. You accumulate assets. And historically, there's going to be times when the market goes down, and that's when you get the best price. So don't get greedy and look for the biggest returns, because typically what will happen is something will have a good run for two or three years. International had a great five-year run. Now it stinks. So hopefully you saw the euro get pounded, and hopefully you started to say, okay, international is not what I thought it was now. So instead of putting new assets there, I'm going to start putting new assets in the United States because I I keep hearing about, you know, a little bit of economic gription. Next biggest mistake you can make in your 401K, instead of being greedy, instead of being fearful, it's sloth. You know, that's the opposite of greed. That's where you just sit and forget. You just kind of get fat. Sometimes it works out for you, but more often than not, it leads to disaster because you bought a fund that, that you felt was comfortable. And then 20, 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years later, you kind of learned that that bad kind of just burned out. For instance, and I'm not a big fan of the S&P 500. At one point in time, it made a lot of sense. Today, it's just my large cap growth stocks. It's not everything in no way, shape, or form. So don't get greedy. Don't get slothy. It's going to mess you up if you do. So every now and then, you have to look at your 401k. You can't be a 401k slacker. You can be a slacker in the world, but not when it comes to your money. You got to look at it once every twi- twice a year. You have to. If you switch jobs, you have a chance to roll it over in a 401k into an IRA. Don't hesitate. It's your money, and it's up to you to make it work. Next up, in the deadly sins of 401k investing, is pride. Ultimately, all self-guided investors have been guilty of pride, where we get a little bit too cocky. The dot-com stocks, I told you this story. A friend of mine sold four houses in 1999. Four houses, and she put it all in dot-com companies, and she saw that dot-com company, network solutions go from four bucks to 250. She had suddenly made eight million dollars, and that wasn't enough for her. She won it nine. Can you imagine like the, the, the pride on this person, and then it goes from 250 to 225? And she's like, "I'm just going to wait for it to get back to 250, because I, I can't possibly live with only seven million dollars. I need eight. And then it goes to 200, and she's waiting for it to go back to 225. and then it goes to 150, and then it goes to 100. Then it goes to 75, then it goes to 50, then it goes to 25, then it goes to 18, and then it goes, that's when she sold it. Her pride of wanting to be a nine millionaire or an eight million versus seven million, it got in her way of retiring and, and living comfortably for the rest of her life. Next biggest mistake you can make in, in investing in the deadly sin number, number five, five, five deadly sin, <laughs> is lust. I love lust. I love falling in love. I love that first passionate lovemaking sex, just getting her to say yes. I love lust. Falling in love with the manager of one of your mutual funds is bad, though. In large part, like there was a guy named Garrett Van Wagner, who was just a rock star in 1999 and 2000. He has sucked ever since. He's done nothing ever since. In a great market, he was great, and he was the sexiest guy out there. He was a rock star. He was able to charge 2%, 3 4 5%. We're like, we will give you all this extra money because you are Garrett Van Wagner. Go go Google him. You'll see this, the tragic story of, of Van Wagner. Um, he wore sweater vests. That's the only thing I can tell you that I like about him in, in the past. Now, I liked him at one point in time, but when his boat ended, I said goodbye. I'm sorry. You, you work for me when you're sexy. You don't work for me when you're not sexy. So don't get lustful. Lustful is great in the bedroom. Lustful is great in relationships. Lust... Falling in love with a money manager is not a good idea. At least number six in investing is envy. That's when you jump into a trend a little bit too late where you go, hey, China's up for the last five years. I think I should buy me some China. You see that it's up 100% five years in a row. And you go, I want me some of that. Your co-worker's bragging that he's invested in China and he's made a nice little profit and he's taken his, his mistress to Paris and he's going to kill his wife because he made all this money in China. And it's, you get envious of him. You're like, I wish I had a lover in Paris. And, and you try to copy what he's doing. Don't get envious. Have your own plan and stick to it. And finally, the number seven deadly sin in investing is gluttony. Well Gluttony. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't exactly paying attention to my producer there. Um, through diversification, and diversification is wildly important. You don't want to have 20 mutual funds. You don't, you don't want to have 30 mutual funds. You don't want to have 40 mutual funds. You don't want to have an S&P 500 fund and then on like a, um, a Schwab 500. Like it starts to copy itself a little bit too much. So you only need six to eight funds. You need a large cap growth, large cap value, or you can get a blended fund. Growth and income. You need a small cap growth and small cap value. You need a mid cap growth, mid cap value. So that's six funds right there. Or if you got the blended approach of those, it's three. You need some international and you need some income. So that's five funds to eight funds. You don't need anything more than that. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. Come up. I've got business time for you. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639.
4: And now, I say now, the moment of truth has finally come. The time when we play the number one song on the chart. Of course, those of you who watch the Count's Countdown show regularly here on SMV know that there's one thing you can count on week after week after week, and that one thing is this. As long as I count on count... And the host of this program. The same song will
3: always be number one.
1: Don't know what to do with your money? He does. Rob Black. 1-800-345-5639. On 910 AM, more stimulating talk.
2: It's the Rob Black and Your Money Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't be shy. I've got a Facebook group page called I Hate Rob Black, and it's my way of kind of taking a shot at myself. I don't ever want to be so big, or I don't ever want my ego to get out of hand. Okay, I've got a cool radio show. But in order to keep myself in check, you gotta you got to take shots at yourself on occasion. So the group's called I Hate Rob Black, and uh, it's kind of funny because there's other people named Rob Black in the world. <laughs> And suddenly they're logging onto my Facebook group page and they're like, why do you hate me? It's pretty funny, right? People are so shallow. I had someone once, and this just shows you, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I've got robblack.com. I figured out that I wanted that and I bought it for basically my whole friggin' fragment lifetime. And I had someone who was like an insurance salesperson in Chicago, email me one time and say, Hey, I'm Rob Black. And uh, I just, you know, if you're getting my email, I want you to send it to me. (laughs) I'm like, are you retarded? Like, a, I don't know you. B, there's a lot of people with the same name. C, people will figure out your email, do something appropriate. Anyway, it's um, it's laughable, laughable to say the least. And uh, I shouldn't make fun of the mentally retarded, but I do, I do. So I should say, do you, have you had a stroke? But then people are gonna get mad at me for saying, you know, stroke victims talk funny. My mom's had two strokes. Doesn't talk funny, but doesn't have a real concept of what's going on in the world either. It's gonna Mitch in San Jose, Mitch. Hey, hey Rob, how's it going? Hey, it's, you don't hear guys use the word the hey hey all that often. <laughs> hey hey, Mitch. You said hey hey, Rob. Hey hey. Do you remember uh, rerun? Yep. You, oh, yeah, from I Good to rerun. Uh, I don't. What, what was that show
1: called? Ro- What's happening? What's happening? Hey 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 hey. Roger. Yep. Yep. So anyway, go ahead. Hey hey hey. Yeah. So I had a question. Uh, um, I agree with what you've been talking about some of the with the small caps. Um, you know, with just exposure to the U.S. and all. So, right. without thinking too much, I just thought to increase my exposure, I could get some uh, the Vanguard ETF. It's um, just the small cap ETF, VB. I was just wondering what you think about
2: that. I've never actually looked at that one. What, what's inside of it? Well, it says it follows
1: the M- MSCI index, just a small cap index. I think I tracked it against the Russell 2000, and it's almost, you know, just exactly matching so that's my whole thing is i don't really know exactly what's in it it's just a matter of you know should i just pick russell 2000 is that a good way to go or do i need to think a little more about it and find something better
2: i like the russell 2000 as an exposure to small caps i'm I'm not against this index having not known anything about it um let me take a quick look with you while we're doing it it's a small cap blend which means it's gonna be a little different than the russell 2000 the costs are incredibly cheap um, just 14 basis points. Gotta love those Vanguard funds. Um, it does track the performance, like you said, of the Morgan Stanley U.S. Small Cap 1750 Index, which is a broadly diversified index of smaller companies. I got no problem with it. Um, you know, some of the top holdings, if you take a look at it, are like Whitting Petroleum, a company you've never heard of. Human Genome Science, you've heard of them. Oshkosh, you've heard of them. Green Mountain Coffee. They're starting to become kind of vague. Um, OSI Pharma, Sirius XM Satellite. So it's a lot of small cap companies that do business in the dollar, and they don't really have the exposure to the euro. So I'm not against it. I think it's the right idea to add to a portfolio. Um, I would probably use it more as a trading vehicle than a long-term wealth accumulation vehicle. Okay. So –
1: what uh, about the Russell two thousand? Would that be more of a long term holder?
2: I think they're very, so they're very right similar. They're gonna be very similar in their okay. overall results because they're both incredibly diversified. But you know, no dividend yield, which I say boo to. That's like, yeah. you know, that's like having the, the world's hottest lingerie model girlfriend, but she's had her head cut off. You know, you get the body, sweet, but you don't get the head in the in the, the living, breathing soul. So um there's something missing without that, that that dividend yield in my opinion. But for the short term I think it's a nice little trade.
1: Okay, great. Thank so, you.
2: Thanks for the call, Mitch. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. How do you just disappeared from me? That was odd. i was going to do a little bit of business time, but how can I do business time if my producer doesn't hit the button when I say it's business time? Time for some Oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business time. I'm sometimes known as LLRB. Ladies love Rob Black because I can talk Sesame Street, and I can also talk business models. Same conversation. Pfizer, they're trimming 6,000 jobs. They're shutting eight plants worldwide. Oh, boy. Today I saw that L.A. is cutting, you know, I think another 700 or 170-plus positions in in L.A. This isn't good, ladies and gentlemen. This is not good. Pfizer's cutting 6,000 jobs. This is a big company. They can afford to cut 6,000 jobs, but they're trying to cut their manufacturing capacity. They acquired a smaller company called Wyeth last year, the world's biggest drug maker, says they're going to cease operations in eight plants. Now, if you owned real estate next to one of their plants, it just went down in value because jobs are going to be leaving. That's how it works. You know, right next to the Numi plant, when, when that got shut down, jobs left. Thousands of jobs just disappeared. So that, there's this story here on real estate, but there's also a story that, you know, Companies are doing what they can to continue to keep their profits up. 6,000 jobs is what? 6,000 people with health care. 6,000 people with an office space. 6,000 people with office spaces that can get shut down. So the world's biggest drug maker, they're going to cease operations in Ireland, Puerto Rico, and the United States by the end of 2015. They're going to reduce operations in six other plants overall. The plants make a range of pharmaceutical and consumer health products. Overall, the company operates 78 plants internationally, and overall, Pfizer employs about 116,000 people, so 6,000 gone. Now, in April, they said they'd cut 20,000 jobs as part of the Wyeth integration. So more jobs are, I mean, they're continuing to find efficiencies. If it were you, I think you'd feel comfortable. You know, like if you were 20 pounds overweight and you could, you know, lop off five here and lop off five there and be a lean, mean, sexy, fighting machine, you'd do it. So you can't really be mad at Pfizer. They're going to cut operations at pharmaceutical plants in, you know, um, Roos Point, New York. That's hurts. Company plans to shut down injectable medicines plants in Carolina, in Puerto Rico, and in Ireland. Now, other shutdowns are some biotech plants in Schnabalee, Ireland. So Ireland's just going to hit hard here. They're going to cut some plants in Richmond, Virginia, and Pearl River, New York. Pfizer said the timing of the specific cuts going to depend on the complexity of shutting it down. This will help the company because it's 60,000 people who aren't on payroll. 60,000 people aren't getting healthier. So you may not like it socially, but Wall Street loves it. Wall Street loves job cuts. They call it right-sizing. Not downsizing, right-sizing. Elsewhere in business time, Dolby Labs. Their shares represent a compelling value at current levels, according to Brigantine. Now, they say the current market environment remains volatile, but Dolby offers the stability of a large-cap liquid name with a spotless balance sheet They've got a billion dollars in cash, and they got no debt. This is one of those small-cap companies that I like. You know, the recent sell-off has got the company trading about 21 times next year's earnings, which is expensive. So if you're going to buy Dolby Labs, don't buy it for one year, because it's already priced. Everyone knows Dolby Music. You know what's kind of funny? Uh, Our music is getting suckier and suckier and suckier. It's getting smaller. It's getting faster. But we're using these little earbuds that just suck music quality. And then it's digital, and that... Doesn't sound as warm as analog, and it's funny with all the technology out there, music quality is getting worse, and the only company that makes it better is a company called Dolby Labs. And finally, Lowe's, their price target was raised today to $31.50. It's a $25 stock. Uh, The company expects for 2010 to be very conservative in their guidance. Consumers are showing some increase in discretionary spending. The economy is rebounding. It's a U.S.-based company. It doesn't have exposure to the euro. They've done inventory investments. They've they've gained 70 basis points in efficiency in the last couple quarters. Uh, Management's got some success going on there. You've been listening to or you're listening to Rob Black and your money to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black and your money.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and your money on 910 AM. More stimulating talk.
2: Okay. Get ready. For something that's going to make you lose your cookies. You're not going to want to hear this. It's going to upset you to no end. You're going to get angry. You might violently projectile vomit right at the radio. Just warning you. Bristol Palin. She's hitting the speaker circuit, and they just disclosed how much she's going to make for every speech. She makes 15000 to $30,000 for a speech. Not Sarah Palin, the woman who ran for vice president. Her daughter, who got pregnant at 18... Maybe 17, maybe 16, I don't know. But ultimately, she talks about abstinence. She talks about life on the campaign trail. She talks about her parenting approach and her outlook on life. One person I could probably honestly tell you I'd never need to see speak in my life. Look, I'll get drunk at a Robert Kiyosaki speech. I will laugh nonstop. His idiocy on money issues is funny to me. That's comedy. But the one person I could tell you, I would honestly rather you take out all four of my wisdom teeth. No, no. I'd rather you put them all back in than take them all back out with a spork than than to hear Bristol Palin speak. $30,000 for a speech? Her claim to fame is she got knocked up early. That's just nuts. I mean, America's out of control. Let's go to Hank and Sonoma.
1: Yeah, hey, Rob, I appreciate you taking my call, and uh, thanks for keeping it real. Love your show. I have two quick, uh, simple questions for you. Number one, uh, if I was to buy a company, ABC Company, for a dollar a share, and that company goes up a dollar, and then I sell those shares, who, where, where does that $1,000 that I just made come from? And secondly, what are the most common reasons for a stock to go up? And if I'll just take my call off the air. Appreciate it. Thanks.
2: Oh, good God. Um the stork brings you money. I think that's probably the best way of saying that, that uncomfortable conversation when you um, you say it is the stork pays you money. So that's what happens when you buy and sell a stock. You put a dollar in, the stork comes and takes your dollar away. You want your money back, and the stork comes and gives it to you. Basically, what a stock is, it's something that shows you own part of a company, whether big or small, whether it's international or national. You're buying into someone else's dream with your money. Stock ownership has been around for centuries. It started in Europe. There's many ways to own a stock or buy a stock. One can buy stocks that are not sold on exchanges. These are known as private offerings. These do not have a ready market. In other words, you can't readily sell the share. So stock markets help you get liquidity and help you get uh, the ability to buy and sell. Now, other stocks are listed typically on the NASDAQ or the NYSE. Those are the f- most famous stock exchanges. When one ends up uh, with a buyer and a seller, they match buyers and sellers, and it's an electronic transaction of money. Um, you can get the ownership of the shares. You can call your broker and say, I just bought 100 shares of Intel. Send those shares to me. They, they will charge you for it, but you can actually own the physical shares. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt. What you can do is when it comes time to sell those shares, you're going to have to send them back to the broker, and he's going to put them back on the exchange, and um, they're going to be sold. So federal and state governments have laws that require companies selling stocks for the first time to pay certain fees. There's typically a cooling-off period where they're not allowed to solicit, but um, they're they're a great way for a company to operate. It's a great way for a company to raise money. Now, they could borrow money from a bank, and they could have a a bond, for instance, or a loan with a bank. Um they can you know issue stocks to the public, so they're they're letting the public play into the, the public dream. Um and that's it's not that hard of a concept to explain. I, I think you're overthinking it if 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 I may say so. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. Kmart sucks. Remember Rainman? Kmart sucks. Um Walmart, the world's largest retailer. They said first quarter profit increased 10%. They had growth in Mexico, Canada, and China. They helped make up for sales of declines in the United States. Income rose to $3.32 billion, up from last year's $3.02 billion. International sales jumped 9% on a constant currency basis. The retailer expanded in the world and did a good job in Mexico particularly. They continue to see relative softness in the United States, but international continues to be a very good engine for Walmart. That's interesting to note. Now, um, what other big stories are out there today? I'm trying to find something that was interesting to note for you. I don't. I'll do a super secret. I did a super secret recently, so I don't need to do that. Um, I have to have another story. I can't possibly be out of stories. I'm all out of love. Um, good God, I just found out I'm all out of stories. Show's over. You can go home. How did I do that? I, I've got absolutely no stories left. Oh, okay, I found one. Blondes blondes have more money. Blondes have more funds. How is this true? Blondes have more funds. Research shows that blonde women make more money than their other haired counterparts, and they also marry richer husbands. That's pretty interesting. So a new study suggests that blondes are the ones with the last laugh. Research by David Johnston, a postdoctoral fellow at Queensland University of Technology, School of Economics and Finance, indicates that there's a pretty premium for women who are blondes in the workforce. Mm, Not a good enough story. Blondes make on average 7% more than non-blondes. I wonder if fake blondes make as much as real blondes. That's a good question. And blondes marry people who make approximately 6% more than the spouses of women with other hair colors. Blondes are better fundraisers, dollar for dollar, than their brunette counterparts. Hmm. That's one area where I like them all. I can like a redhead just as much as I like a brunette, just as much as I like a blonde. That's one area where I can love them all. So 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639.
1: Hello, Raymond. If you feel a little more relaxed in your favorite Kmart clothes, tell them,
2: Ray, Kmart sucks. Well, that about sums it up, right? Kmart sucks. If we were to put a nice bow on today's show, it's that Kmart sucks. Um, I'm trying to find any great stories. I got one, but it's not great. It's pretty good. Google says people are using more Internet. Um, uh, people in the United States are using more Internet. So we're, we're, sending, we're sitting there and spending more time. We're not, not more of us, but when we are online, we're online for longer. Los Angeles is going to eliminate 761 city positions. You know what? I kind of like that story. I think we need to downsize government. Government. So when I see that, I like it. Now, unfortunately, I feel bad for the people involved. There's a value of college that I want to talk about. Oftentimes, I, I jokingly say, don't let your kids go off and get a, a degree in English. Don't spend $250,000 on a degree in English. I mean, if that it's that case, send them to a cheaper college. Send them somewhere local uh, for the first couple of years. Don't let them get a four-year degree in English. There's a small group of economists. Of economists and education, they're saying that college is overrated. Listen to this. I've always loved college because college was, A, a place where you found yourself and you learned how to you know, get up early and stay up late, learn how to turn in papers, you learned how to you know, play along with others. And that's called a job later in life where you have to get up, go to work, come home late, you know, turn in your projects on time. So I thought college was good training for a job. Not the classes. The classes were a waste, I thought. I think it's true that we need more nanosurgeons than we ever did 10, 15 years ago, but the numbers are still relatively small compared to the numbers of nurses' aides we're going to need. We still need hundreds of thousands of them over the next decade, hundreds and thousands of nurses' aides compared to just the, you know, couple few nanosurgeons we need. So college degrees simply not necessary for most jobs. There's an argument right now that says, if nothing else, it's a good reminder that colleges are failing at their central mission, which is turning students into graduates. As a result, some students end up with thousands of dollars of debt and no degree. Is the lesson of this failure that we should lift graduation rates, or should we persuade more teenagers not to enroll in college? There, there's an argument out there now that if you're not going to get a, a good degree that's worth something, like if you get your degree in, in radio broadcasting, and you a $100,000 to get a degree in radio broadcasting, you kind of suck. That's a skill that you can mostly train yourself. You don't need to go to college for it. There's no radio station in the world that's going to say, you went to the, the School of Broadcasting? I'm so impressed. You're going to get the job over the, the hippie who's been here 30 years and can do it in a sleep. So anyway, the, the data is starting to show that you got to be careful. you got to watch how you spend your money on college because not all degrees are the same. You know, a philosophy degree, <laughs> that might get you laid. That might get you stoned. It ain't going to get you a job. So you just spent 200 thousand dollars on a degree to find out that you're unemployable and you got all that debt and good God, you have to start working on a real skill. You waste five years doing that. You're, you're so far behind the curve. Go to college, get in, get out, get fast. Try to become an engineer and a science degree where you truly need that, that degree. Most other degrees, not so much needed. Credit card issuers, they're testing a new technology called contactless commerce. It let's consumers pay for purchases with a chip affixed to their cell phones. So shoppers would check out of stores via cell phone. Now, Dairy Queen in Indiana, they're testing it there. 350 customers can wave special stickers fixed to the back of their cell phones on a scanner at the store. They're banking loyalty points and qualifying for free cones and blizzard Sundays. customers have to come back to the store more frequently to get these. So radio frequency identification tags, we've heard about this for a long, long time. It's becoming more and more so. Discover's looking into it. City groups looking into it. Visa's introducing contactless payments where all you do to pay for purchases is wave your phone at a kiosk. Instead of swiping a credit card or debit card, consumers just wave or tap their phones. Items are always nearby and handy, equipped with specialty encoded stickers or holsters. Um, I, I don't know. That's one of those 21st century stories that's just taken way too long to catch on. Oh, sweet. Got to the finish line. I just totally ran out of gas in the last five minutes there. Speaking of gas, i got to go get some lunch. 800-345-5639. I'll be back in 22 hours. Me loves you. Me loves you. It's Rob Black and Your Money. You can find me at robblack.com, robblack.com. You can find me at Facebook under I Hate Rob Black. I Hate Rob Black. It's a group. And you can get my app. I got an app. Woo! At iTunes. It's called Rob Black and Your Money.